Well, I echo that. It's good to be together in worship here at, at Bethany. My name is Bill Knippa, and I had the privilege of serving here a number of years, actually 44, but who's counting, right? It just went by really fast. And uh, a gracious invitation to be able to share with you this morning, as uh, October is the month that we, quote, kick off a month of celebration of God's goodness and grace at this place we call Bethany, a place where Jesus meets his friends. What I'd like to do, in addition to those announcements, I'm not going to make an announcement, but I think on those announcements you see the way in which God has richly blessed this congregation, your congregation, or perhaps soon to be your congregation, uh, with, with wonderful leaders, uh, men and women who love the Lord Jesus, who say, I want to share Jesus with others in a way that equips them. And so you are very blessed, and you are certainly in good hands here at Bethany. Well, alrighty, here we go. 60 years. Now, uh, it was great to see as I came in a lot of familiar faces. Uh, it was great to see faces that I was not familiar with because uh, perhaps more recently you've joined this fellowship. I'll be candid with you also with those lights. I can't see any of you. So, um, but having said that, the Lord knows who you are, and we're delighted to worship. I want to talk about three things as we kick this off, uh, that under the general theme that you noticed uh, as you came in and received uh, the handout, we want to talk about new things. God is always doing something new in the world and in people's lives, and invites us to be a part of that. What I want to do, first of all, is to give thanks for past blessings here at Bethany. And then I'm going to lead us in rejoicing in the Lord's presence in the present, in the now, living in the now. And then also, may we cast our eyes to trust the future, that the Lord continues to be faithful. Well, now, we give thanks for past blessings. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to rejoice in his presence, and we're going to trust in his continued blessing. Now, God is always doing something new in the world and in your lives. Well, tell you what, let's uh, trick, trick, trip back 60 years about, and um, there we are in uh, South Austin, Texas, and uh, God was doing something new. He did something new on October the 7th, 1992. When the population, and let's just kind of keep it small, there was this whole movement at one time in Austin, don't invite anybody, we like where we're at, 202,000 people, right? Uh, but a group of people that lived in South Austin, who were members of a church, and you're going to see this in a little video called Christ Lutheran, said, we, we're, we live further south in East Monroe, like a half a mile from the river, we really live south. And uh, so we're going to start a community of faith and going to reach out in the community. And that's why then, uh, uh, on that day, uh, they experienced that God was doing something new in 108 souls. And when I say souls, they weren't dismembered little lights floating around in a room like uh, uh, lightning bugs. They were men and women and children, guys and gals, all ages that said, we are going to create this entity called Bethany. 
in order that people may, as, as Pastor Greasy, who was instrumental in starting this congregation, and you'll hear about him a little bit more in this video to follow, not my video, another video, that uh, he said that we are here in this community to share Christ, the light of the world, and to bring people to Jesus. So they said, let's do that. So they found six and a half acres on Manshack Road and soon built a building there. Total cost, by the way, back in those days was $59,000. The question is, can we afford this? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And nevertheless, we're going to do it. The Lord's called us to do it. On that six and a half acres, guys got out there with chainsaws and, and axes and, and uh, hoes. And uh, they started whacking out. Folks, this was thick brush on Manchac Road. It was thick brush. Uh, hackberry trees, which I kind of call junk trees, whack them down. Uh, cedar elm, uh, the regular cedar that makes everyone sneeze. There was poison ivy. Uh, there were brambles. Uh, there were fleas and ticks. And those of you, well, there's only two people that were there then, remember the, the ticks. And they said, we're going to do this. And they did it. <laughs> they did it. By the power of the Spirit, they did it. And here we are today, 60 years later. Lots happens in 60 years. Lots happens in your life, in a year, in a day, in a moment. And it's in that spirit that we give thanks for those early people that said, we're going to do this. And who did it. Who sacrificed. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without sacrifice. We give thanks for them. And I invite you to reflect in your own life of who it was that showed you Jesus. Was it a parent, a spouse, a child? Yeah, children can show adults Jesus big time. A teacher, perhaps. I invite you to remember them, many of whom are with Jesus, some of whom, hey, you could give them a hug right now. Who showed you Jesus? I invite you to picture that image in your mind and to give thanks. Would you do that? Just your mind can work where it kind of paints a little picture, an image. And we're going to give thanks for them. You're going to give thanks for them right now. Because that's how the Spirit works. He works through people as they share Jesus. He worked then, and he works now. So, Lord, we give thanks for those that have showed us Jesus, and in this place, Bethany, that have made it possible for us to be encouraged in our faith and strengthened in our journey. And who doesn't need strength? Well, we also want to talk about what God is doing in the moment, in the moment, living, living in the now, the moment, today, whatever's going on in your life. I want to talk about some new things, this idea of the new again. And I'm going to reference several scriptures that talk about what God is doing in your life right now. 
You might not have eyes to see it, but may your ears hear it, and may your heart uh, receive it, and may maybe even your eyes then visualize it. I want to talk about the new, the new song. I want to talk about new life, new hope, and new birth. Beautiful song that was sung right before the message or before the announcements. Uh, Lord, sing to me. Sing to me. It's a beautiful image of soft, beautiful words being sung, soothing words. Words of comfort, words of peace, words that connect the singer to that person to whom they're singing. It says in the scripture that I'm going to sing a new song. We're going to sing a new song today at this moment, and I know there's lots going on in your life as there is in mine. He put a new song, the psalmist says, a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Today is a day where we celebrate the present because God is singing always to us a new song. Now, what is a new song? Well, it implies an old song. Maybe you hear a lot of that old song, which is really a dirge of death, a dirge of despair. Because the world sings that into our ears. It, 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 it just it shouts it at times. It's not soothing at all. To hear some of those things that you and I hear in our hearts and in our minds about a distress, about frustration, about our mind just kind of turning on itself at times and that motivating and moving us to do things that turn us against one another. And almost like the song says, hey, I... I told you, song sung blue, everybody has one, and that's all you're ever going to hear, is what the world would say. But the Lord says, I'm going to give you a new song, (laughs) a song of grace, a song that assures you in the midst of the bombs going off emotionally, or for some people in some parts of the world, physically that I'm going to sing a song of redemption and grace and my presence and my peace. Sing to the Lord a new song in praise of what he has done through our Lord Jesus who brings light into a darkened world and into our darkened lives. Many will see and fear the Lord And put their trust in him. As we do that, others will notice. Scripture also talks about a new birth and a new hope. New birth, new hope. Praise the Lord, the God of our Father Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth and a new hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here we hear again new. This is now. This is, is it was in the past done. It is in the present experience. I'm going to give you a, a new, as it says, a new hope and a new birth. You may have heard, okay, uh, you're born to die. And I've, I've referenced this over the years in different ways, obviously. 
to God's people. I mean, there's a date of birth, and a, which you know it is. I mean, you have the birth certificate. And there is the date of death, the death certificate. certificate. You don't have that. You haven't seen that. But I guarantee you, if Jesus doesn't come back first, that's how life is bookended. But the Lord says, no, let me tell you. There is a new birth. You're not born to die. You're bound. You're born to live. God created you to live. He did not create you to experience a life of complete and total misery and destruction and just kind of count the days till you can get out of here. I created you for life. Now, the problem is we seek life on our own terms. The Lord says life is in loving me and in trusting me. And so often we say, well, hey, that's not good enough. I need something I can put my hands on. I need something I can spend. I need something that I can show other people that I have life. I need something to give me a sense of my own physical pleasure so that I know I'm alive. But all of those lead to death. And that's why the Lord says, as he works through Peter in this passage, I'm going to give you a new birth. You have been born again. That is, in the waters of baptism, you are now set on a life that's going to last and endure forever. New birth, new birth. You're not born to die. You're born to live and into a living hope, a living hope, not a dead hope. Cemeteries are full of dead hopes. A lot of people's minds are full of dead, deader than a doornail hopes. I had hoped by this time I would have dot, dot, dot. The dream of my youth evaporated early, and I've been mad ever since. You know, a lot of hopes die, someone might say, as they go through those kinds of reflections. But the Lord says, I'm going to give you an alive hope, a living hope, not a dead hope, a living hope, because it is attached. It is attached to the very life of Jesus. The life of Jesus, who came into the world, to do what you and I could never do for ourselves. And that is to be in a perfect, harmonious relationship with the Father. Not only to love Him, heart, soul, mind, and body every moment, but also to do that which He calls me to do. And folks, folks, the problem is, the problem is we don't, we can't, we never could. So Jesus comes into the world and says, I'm going to give you a hope that cannot be taken from you, that cannot be wrestled out of your hand. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through what God has done in Jesus. Now, a lot of times we put our hope what? What do we put our hope in? What do you put your hope in? If only that I had this or that would happen, then then I could go on. But a hope in a person, whether that is a political leader, military leader, whether the hope is in the person of yourself or someone that you want to love you that doesn't appear to be doing that or someone that you want to love that you're chasing, that's not going to bring hope. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you and I have a future. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that you and I have a future that is secure. He goes on to say this in Scripture. He gives us new life. This is from Romans chapter 6, verse 2. This describes what happened when you were baptized. 
If you're not baptized, this is what happens when you are baptized. It says in that great passage, We have therefore, referencing baptism, we have been buried with him, Jesus, through baptism. That's how close the intimacy is. We are in him. He is in us through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live what? A new life. That we might live a new life. Buried with Christ. Baptism, you're buried with Christ. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus went into the grave, your sin and the consequences eternally went in the grave. It means that when Jesus went into the grave, every misspent moment, every regret, every evidence of our own brokenness and disdain of God's will or of other people, the responsibility went into the grave. And Jesus says, I left it in the grave when I came out of the grave. You have been buried with Christ. The worst that could ever happen to you. What is it? The worst nightmare? It's been buried. It's not going to happen. Understanding that things that we feared would happen, some of them have happened. But the Lord says Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive and he's going to walk you through that even if it takes years. He's going to get you past that. He's going to shine the light in the darkened world of your own mind, of your own heart, or your own circumstance. And you're going to live with him. You're going to rejoice with him in the moment. In the moment. Well... Now what? Now we take a look at the future. Giving thanks to God for the past. Uh, being assured that he is present in the moment. And trusting that he will work and walk with this congregation and this community into the future. We will continue to quote, do life together which we do in the present where we weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice where we do life together in terms of mercy and forgiveness journeying to that great destination that the Lord says let me tell you I'm getting it all ready for you we rejoice and give thanks and then trust that he will continue to walk with us you see, we are sent. We are sent. That is, the Lord has moved us forward. We do mission. Bethany, when it started, it's about expanding mission in South Austin. I mean, who would live in South Austin at that time? I mean, if you go back to where we started, uh, across the way well, it won't look like this because I mean Austin grew from 202,000 people across the street you would have seen cows you would have seen barbed wire you would have seen man you could see all the way to Manshack and um, 
I mean, who wants to live in South Austin? I remember Melissa, my, my dear wife, when we moved out uh, here in 1977, uh, Shady Hollow, which is at the end of Brody Lane, was, I mean, it was seven miles to the nearest grocery. And uh, Melissa said, I was raised in the Boons, Bill. I don't want to live in the Boons. Well, we lived in the Boons for a while. And then wouldn't you know it, Austin grew. And with that, there was a sense of people that had established the past in Christ and knew that Christ was with them every moment, continued to reach out and do mission together. As a matter of fact, uh, the scripture that I want to read just to reference this is uh, from Romans uh, chapter 10. To emphasize that the work of Bethany is not finished in this side of glory, it will never be finished. Because there are all these people that need to hear about what God has done for her, what God has done for him. How God speaks into the reality when someone says, oh yes, I promised you for better, for worse, and it's so bad, I, 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 I didn't plan on this. People that live in a chaotic world, the workshop on, hey, before internet, before social media, before all of those things that can tie our heads into knots, all right? Before all of that. People needed to hear God's grace, and people need to hear it today. And they need to hear about Jesus. And, and if everyone, it says, everyone who calls on his name will be saved, will be rescued, will be heard, will be treated with compassion and love and grace. And then Paul goes on to say, yes, now let's talk about this, but how can they call on someone how can they say, save me, Jesus, if they haven't heard about Jesus? And how are they going to trust and believe in Jesus if they haven't heard his name spoken or his love shared? And they're going to have to hear it. And how can they hear it unless someone tells them? And how is someone going to tell them if they're not sent out there to tell them? As it is written in the middle service, they sang this beautiful uh, choir number, that how beautiful are the feet? How, how beautiful are those feet? How beautiful is the message and the messenger that brought you Jesus? And now, now we are called to do that, to share his mercy and grace with someone that, oh, my goodness, they don't deserve it. Well, you know what? I don't deserve, I don't deserve mercy and grace. I don't think you do either. People need to hear that, to preach the good news, to hear that life is more than the confusion and the, the disarray that you see in explosions emotionally or physically that you may run into. We need to share Jesus, and we are going to share Jesus. He's asked us, and he's called us to do that, and he equips us to do that individually and as a congregation. We will experience pushback, be assured of that which is nothing new. We we're talking about what's new. There are a lot of new things, new opportunities in this community, new ways of doing things. We did not have projection screens. We did not have a lot of things back when we began. And obviously, we didn't have varieties of worship. We do now. Praise God. There is going to be pushback, even though a lot of new things have impacted us. What was true 2,000 years ago and in the history of God's people continues to be true. There is pushback, and there will always be pushback when you talk about Jesus. There will be someone that will curl their lip and insult you. There will be someone that says, oh, you're really not too sharp or with it, are you? Kind of narrow, aren't you, this thing of Jesus? 
Others will perhaps even do, say some words that many of our members, a number of them, heard when they refused to participate in something in business that was not of Jesus or not ethical, but was maybe not illegal, but it was certainly immoral. And I've talked to any number of people that, hey, that was the end of their work, but they trusted that God would provide. You see, there's always going to be pushback. There's always going to be pushback. That is nothing new. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul says this, the end will have terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so what do we do in the midst of all of that? We tell people there is a light that shines. There is a God who cares. There are people that will love you. There are people that will walk with you through this life and into life eternal. So we know there's going to be pushback. But the pushback is is something that will make us even push more forward in this community and here at Bethany. What a blessing. As Jesus said, I'm sending you out. Jesus was very savvy. He said, look, there are wolves out there. You're like sheep. Of course, Jesus is the good shepherd, right? Who lays down his life for the sheep. So even being a, quote, sheep in the Lord's story is a safe place. And there are wolves. And they're going for your jugular. Just like they went for Jesus' jugular. They had him cornered, those wolves did, on a cross. (laughs) They thought they got him. They're doing a happy dance. Satan says, see, I told you, I'm stronger. Hate is stronger than love. Darkness overcomes light. Jesus is dead. God played his last card, if you will, and I trumped him. And Jesus rose from the dead. That hope, living hope, right? Through what? The resurrection of the dead. And in that sense, we now rejoice as God's people gathered. The Lord has called us here this morning to give thanks for the past, to rejoice in the present, and to trust the future. Because the one who has embraced each one of us in all of those eras is the gracious God who opens his arms to us moment by moment in order that we might share the embrace with others. May God bless you. May you hear the sweet song of Jesus sung into your hearts. And may you be assured that when God calls his people together in community, magnificent and life-changing things happen. Be assured of that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.